Acts chapter number 14. Acts chapter number 14. Uh, tonight is where we're going to be. Uh, last week we had uh, talked to you about uh, out of Acts 13 and we went through uh, part of their missionary journey, Paul's message uh, there to that church at Antioch and we uh, spoke about some different things, the evangelistic team that he had and uh, the message that they uh, went forth with and uh, we just got to talk about all of those things and now we're coming down to uh, chapter number 14 and we're going to talk about a very simple topic tonight. Um, it's going to be pretty plain and simple out of the, the message tonight, but it's very practical uh, for what we need to understand. And we're going to talk about God's pattern for ministry, uh, what God intends for the church, uh, God's pattern, what we're supposed to do. And you find it all throughout Scripture, but especially in the book of Acts as uh, things are going forward, you're going to see some things uh, in this passage that I believe will help us and uh, there's just a common thing that we see going on through all of this. And we're actually going to read uh, through all of this passage tonight, all 28 verses. Uh, I'm going to read to you tonight, and I'm going to preach down through it. Um, and uh, we're going to try to get out of here in a timely manner tonight. But I do want to just share some things about what all took place in this passage and how Paul understood what was important. And God showed him what was important. You know, so many times we think that uh, other things are, come before God. And uh, we got to get back to our priorities and understand what's important and uh, what, what we need to do for eternity's sake. And in Acts chapter number 14 and verse number 1, it says, And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews. And so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also to the Greeks, believed. Uh, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hand. Both the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made, both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews, with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them. You know, division in a church isn't a good thing. And we see that uh, what's taking place uh, here in this passage. It talks about they wanted to stone them. Verse 6, uh, they were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. And there they preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in, in his feet being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. You notice our theme this year is faith that moves mountains. said he had faith to be healed. And, you know, it take, the Bible says that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, it said you can tell the mountain to remove itself and it shall be removed. He said, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. So what was it that was about to make this man whole? He was an impotent man. Never walked, but it said he steadfastly beholding and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. Isn't it amazing that Paul saw the faith that that man had? That impotent man. He had so much faith that Paul could see it. Paul could see the faith that was in him. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit. Said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. 
And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices and said in a speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called uh, Barnabas, Jupiter, and Paul, Mercurius, because he was, of the chief, he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye, uh, why do ye these things? We also are men like, of like passions with you, and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in time past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, uh, scarce retained they the people, and they had not done sacrifice unto them. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And we're going to read the rest of this here in a minute, but this, guy, this guy's got something on his mind, doesn't he? Paul, Paul understands what things are all about well hold on he just got stoned and left for dead but he still understood what was important he still understood what was what his life was all about in verse 21 it said and when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many they returned again to lystra and iconium and antioch confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and uh, and that we must go through much tribulation, uh, enter into, uh, and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commanded them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down unto Italia. And thence sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come, they had gathered the church together and rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there abode long time with the disciples. As I read through this, I began to see a pattern of things that take place. And you see this all throughout of the church and what God's plan is for the church. If you notice in Matthew 28, what he told his disciples in verse uh, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, where he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. We're going to talk about God's pattern for the church and what God intends for the church to do. As I was reading down through this, talking about they had just uh, come out and been going down through doing different things. He had just talked to the people at Antioch and Pisidia, and now he's down here and he came to Iconium and all these things. And people, some believed, some did not. There was division in the church because he began to preach uh, the truth and do that. And, you know, sometimes when truth is brought forth and you preach truth, it's going to cut. 
It's going to hurt sometimes, and people don't like truth sometimes, but, you know, we need to preach truth, and that's what just Paul did. He preached truth. But in verse number 7 is where we're going to really focus in on. It says this, and there they preached the gospel. There they preached the gospel. You know what we ought to be doing when we, what this church's job is to do. It's not to talk about our philosophies or our opinions. It's not to talk about what we think or what we feel. It is our job to preach the gospel. It's our job to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without that, we, have, we are nothing. Apart from that, we can be nothing. We are sinners deserving of hell without the gospel. We need to talk about the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Without the gospel, we can't be saved, right? So we need to preach the gospel. Paul understood this. Everywhere he went, he talked about the gospel. Why? Because on that road uh, to Damascus where he came face to face with God, as you would say, and uh, he got his salvation settled that day, the gospel changed his life. And Paul understood what made him something different now. What he used to be to what he is today is the gospel. And that's what was inside of him. And here as a church, at Faith Baptist Church, on this corner of this road, guess what God's given us a job to do? Is tell everybody around here that doesn't know about Jesus how they can go go to heaven. That's our job is to preach the gospel. We ought to be preaching the gospel. And as I looked at it, that was like the first thing that took place. Man, they preached the gospel. They went in there. They got into a city. They just started talking about Jesus. They started talking about God and what people needed to understand. And listen, everywhere we go, everywhere we come in contact with God, it encourages us and tells us and commands us to be a witness for him. All the way back in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he said, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem, you understand Martinsburg is our Jerusalem. And then Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Listen, it doesn't stop here. That's why we support missionaries. And we, we ought to be going out in the highways and hedges and compelling them to come in. That's why we have a bus route to try to run and pick up kids and different things like that. Why? Because people need the gospel. The world needs the gospel. Our nation needs the gospel. Listen, the fact that you're sitting in here today, if you're saved, you needed the gospel. You needed somebody to tell you about Jesus. Guess what? If you're lost, you still need the gospel. Everybody does. Why? Because without it, we're on our way to hell. And Paul understood that. He began to preach the gospel. It said that they they preached him and Barnabas and all that were traveling with him. uh, They preached the gospel when they went. And as they were, he was passionate about the gospel. He talked about the power of the gospel. We know it's the power uh, unto salvation. There's power behind the gospel because of who the gospel points to. That's why there's power behind it. There's power in that death, burial, and resurrection because of the one who died on the cross. Because of the one that uh, that took the keys of death and hell and rose again from the grave. That's why there's power in the gospel because of who the gospel is about. It's about Jesus. It talked about the power of the gospel. But it was the, the, it's accompanied by the power of God. You understand the gospel has power because it's accompanied by God. That's why it has power. And when, because God is there, people need to know who God is. It gives the power to save. The gospel gives power to save. God brings that to our life. And I'm glad that God can take a wretched sinner like me and make something new out of them. And you ought to be glad that God could save you that way too. And because we have salvation and because we're a new creature in Christ Jesus and old things are passed away and behold, all things become new, we ought to have a fire in our soul and in our heart about preaching the gospel. 
We ought not to be ashamed about talking about the gospel. We ought not to be ashamed about telling people what made us from where we were in the muck and the mire of this world that he picked us up and set our feet upon a rock and established our going, put a new song in our heart, even praise unto our God. We ought to rejoice in that. People ought to know it. Why? Because there's something different about us. The gospel changed us. And they preached the gospel. And they talked about how the gospel was acceptable to anyone. It wasn't just accompanied by, by God. It, it was available. Anybody could accept it. They talked about how now the Gentiles were receiving and the Jews and you had the Greeks and all of them. It was available to everybody. It wasn't just limited to the Jews. And I'm glad for a whosoever will gospel. I'm glad that it's not just, oh, this person can only go to heaven but this person can't. I'm glad he's willing to save to the uttermost anybody who's willing to receive him. I'm glad when he died, he didn't look at our skin color and say that you had to be this certain race to go to heaven. I'm glad he didn't look at us and say, hey, you had to be in this social status to get to heaven. I'm glad he didn't say, hey, you had to have this many degrees or this much knowledge in order to go to heaven. No, you just have to realize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and that you by faith receive Jesus Christ, asking him to be your Savior. And he said, you shall be saved. I'm glad it's for anybody. And he was saying in this, listen, it's for all of them. He talked about the Gentiles. They, they were able to get it. And I, this was new. Remember when, when Peter comes to Cornelius' house? And he's coming saying, this isn't, this isn't normal for me to be here with you. But he talked about how God broke that barrier down. And he's, he's, it's available to all. And he's given them the gospel. He preached the gospel to all that were there. It was acceptable to anyone. He was bold about it. He wasn't afraid to preach it. He had boldness in his heart and in his mind when he began to preach about that. But people got upset. Why? Because he began to talk about their religious rituals that they do. And he began to talk about, listen, it's not your religion that's getting you to heaven. It's the gospel that gets you to heaven. And they got mad about that. Listen, any time that, that somebody understands let me explain something to you. Have patience with people sometimes when you give them the gospel. Especially somebody that's been raised to believe a different way. you got to have some patience with them. Why? Because they have to come to the grips with the fact that they've been taught a lie for so long. And we got to give them the gospel and the truth of it and let the word of God do what it does and have the Holy Spirit of God prick their hearts. But Paul wasn't ashamed to tell them. Now listen, it's not your religion that's going to get you to heaven. It's only a relationship with God you got to have that relationship, not, not religion. See, religion combats the gospel. You say, what do you mean? Religion isn't salvation. It's different. Religion is a, uh, what you do. It's an action that you do. People are religious people, but they're not saved. Cornelius was religious, but he was lost. He was going through the law, doing all that the law supposedly required. He was supposed to do all these different things. He was trying to work his way uh, to heaven, but that wasn't good enough. Religion couldn't save him. Religion doesn't save anybody. And there's a lot of religious people that, there's people that are warped by religion. Man, they'll cut themselves, they'll poke themselves, they'll do all kinds of things. Why? For religion. And they think what they're doing is going to send them to heaven and what they're doing is going to get them here. But what they need is the gospel. They need to hear about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. You know what? But Satan's got a lot of people blinded by religion. They think they're doing a good work. 
They think because they're involved in this religion that somehow they're going to find favor with God and somehow they're going to be able to to enter into the presence of heaven because they went through all of these different things and were able to do all of these different things. And listen, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 still in the Bible. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, the Bible also says that if we could uh, work our way to heaven, it said, then Christ died in vain. If we could do it in our own abilities, then Christ would have died in vain. But he died because we were not able to do it. And the gospel was available to all. Not only did it have the power of God, but it was available to anybody. And Paul was willing to talk about that. The Jews didn't like the fact that Gentiles could be saved. They didn't like that whole thing about that. But Paul was saying, listen, God said it's available to all. And he was willing to preach it. And they got mad. And there was division in the church. And as this division rose up, people began to choose sides now. You had some going with those Jews that were causing division. Some were trying to come with Paul and do all this. And then all of a sudden, they realized that they're about to be stoned. And so they leave town. And they leave town and they begin to... Excuse me, verse 6, it says, And they were aware of it, and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. And it said, And there sat certain men at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never walked. So here they, they were in this other place. They got chased out, thought about being stoned. They come to Lystra. And what's the first thing he does in Lystra? Preach the gospel. See the pattern that he does? He preached the gospel. And then he sees somebody in need. Somebody who couldn't walk. Somebody that's been lame from his mother's womb. Never had walked again. He looks at him and he saw the faith. He, he knew this man had heard some things. And he, he knew the man had faith. He could see the faith in this, this guy. Could you imagine having enough faith that people could see your faith? They could see it. Look what it says. In verse 8, And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, look, and perceived that he had faith to be healed. Paul said, that guy's got faith to be healed. And when Paul saw the man had enough faith, he said, get up and walk. And the guy didn't look at him and say, but I can't, I'm lame. The guy didn't look at him and say, what do you mean get up and walk? I can't, I can't do that because uh, I've never walked. How am I supposed to walk? See, he had faith because he understood that the power wasn't in his, his own self. The power was coming from something bigger than him. The power is coming from God. And when Paul said get up and walk, the man jumped to his feet. It said he leaped up and he ran. Towards things. He got up and he began to walk around. Listen, that was a lesson to us. When God tells us to do something and God gives us something to do and a command to do it, if we have enough faith in God, we're just going to take a leap forward, a leap of faith for God. But most of the time what happens is God will tell us, hey, get up and walk. Get up and do this. And we say, God, I can't. I've never been able to. God, how am I supposed to be able to do that? I've never been able to do that. Where am I supposed to find the strength to do that? Who's going to help me? Am I going to have a wheelchair? God, how am I supposed to walk? And we begin to give excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse of why we can't do what God told us to do. 
But you know what? Paul saw this man had faith. And when he told the man, get up and walk, the man didn't make excuses. He didn't argue with it. He just heard the preacher say, God said, get up and walk. And so he jumps up and he begins to walk. That's faith. See, our theme this year is faith that moves mountains. As I'm going through this, as we begin to preach the gospel, you understand we're going to come across people in need that need Jesus. And there's going to be some people that, man, they hear the gospel, they grab a hold of it, and they're just going to step out onto it, man. And they're going to do it. But there's going to be others that make excuses. Why I can't go to heaven? God would never love someone like me. You've heard people say that. You've heard those excuses before. But I'm glad for the word of God that says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm glad that he can save anybody. But the fact is, those of us that are saved, let's quit making excuses for why we can't do something for God. Here's an impotent man, a man who had never walked before, a man that's never known what it was like to have strength in his legs, that just because he had faith in God, he was made whole and he began to walk and do something he'd never done before. And this theme this year is faith that moves mountains, those impossible things that can be done in this place this year. You know what it's going to take? Somebody just stepping out by faith. Somebody just trusting in God and saying, God, I have enough faith that you're going to be able to do this. And we just step out and let God bring the strength for us to do it. See, that man could have laid there and said, well, how am I supposed to get up? You haven't helped me. See, he put faith in that message that he heard. The gospel was brought forth. The gospel was brought forth. And as that gospel was brought forth, guess what happened? Anytime the gospel is presented, people are going to get saved. They're going to. It may not be, it's not going to be everybody you come in contact with, but you preach the gospel enough, guess what? Somebody's going to get saved. Why? Because that's just what the gospel does. It penetrates hearts and somebody's going to trust it. People are going to get saved. So what happens then after they get saved? That's it, right? That's what God intends for us to do. He tells us to go out and to see them saved. And then once they get saved there, we wipe our hands off and we're good to go. We did our job, right? That's not what happened. See, this pattern, it's pretty simple. It's all throughout the Bible, but here's where we lack. This section right here is where we really lack. Oh, we can tell people about Jesus sometimes. We can even see people saved. But then we say, well, hey, guess what? I got people saved, and but where are they at? What happened to them? Well, I, I got them saved. It's the preacher's job to now go to follow up and talk to them. Let's see what takes place. Look at verse 21 and 22, and we're going to come back and preface some of this in just a moment. It says, And when they had preached the gospel in that city and had taught many, they returned again to where? Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Now, wait a second. What happened just before this? Paul got stoned. And they didn't throw little pebbles at him. He got stoned. They thought he was dead. And they drug him outside the city and left him there and said, Oh, he's dead. We did our job. Let's go back. They didn't like the message that he was told. He was just stoned in Lystra, drug out of Lystra, put there, on the, left for dead. And then the disciples are standing around looking at him. And it says this. Verse 20, Howbeit as the disciples stood around about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed 
with Barnabas to Derby. And when he had preached the gospel in that city, now hold on a second. What did he just preach in that city? The gospel. He was just stoned, left for dead outside of Lystra. The disciples are standing around him saying, Paul's dead. And he gets up. And he goes in the city. Hey guys, I need to rest a little bit. And then he goes with Barnabas to Derby. And he could have went into Derby and said, guys, you know what? I need to sit down for a while. I've had a rough week. I've been stoned, left for dead. He probably didn't look the best. Them rocks probably hurt. I mean, for the people that were stoning him to think he was dead, I don't think he was faking it. He's laying there. And if he was like most of us, he wouldn't have ever served God again. But he goes into Derby, and the first thing he does is preaches the gospel. Preaches the gospel. You know what he was saying? For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. You know what he's saying is? It's not about my life to do with what I want. It's about witnessing for Christ. It's all about him. It said that when he had preached the gospel in that city and had taught many. You see what it says? Not only did he preach the gospel, but he had taught many. That means discipleship. Discipleship. See, discipleship is a big area that we lack in our churches today. Discipleship. We'll see people saved, and man, we'll get on fire for God about that. Hey, somebody trusted Christ. Well, what happened to them? Where are they? What are we doing? Why aren't we following up with them? Why aren't we going to get them? See, the Bible likens us to babes in Christ when we get saved. It says as newborn babes. We're, we're considered babes in Christ. I see little Scott there, man. I think how, how precious that little baby is. You have these babies in these carriers that they all bring around. Man, I love these little babies. Nobody in this church would ever leave one of those babies outside. Nobody in this, in this church would leave one of those babies out there hungry. Nobody in this church would leave one of those babies in that car seat with no help, with no comfort, with no uh, sustenance, no food, nobody to help them along the way. Nobody in this church would do that. If we saw that baby out there, we'd think, hey, they're helpless. They need help. We would feed them. We would take care of them. We would teach them how to walk. We'd teach them how to talk. And then we ask them to be quiet once they learn how to talk. But we teach them how to talk and we teach them how to eat for themselves. And then they become teenagers and they don't quit eating. And they keep eating and they keep eating and they keep eating. But we teach them how to do all of this stuff. And uh, why? Because they were babes and they needed somebody to help them along the way. But what happens? Eventually, they begin to walk on their own. Eventually, they begin to talk on their own. Eventually, they begin to feed themselves. Eventually, they begin to clothe themselves. Then pretty soon, they get to be teenagers and you think, man, my kids don't need me anymore. Why don't they need me anymore? They, 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 they can do most of the stuff for themselves. But see, that's what discipleship does. It makes other disciples. It said not only did he preach the gospel to them, but he taught them. He taught them. Now, he, here he is in Derby. He preaches the gospel, and he begins to teach them. Let me give you some advice. If you lead somebody to Christ, don't just depend on the preacher or the staff at the church or the deacons of the church to disciple them. You win them to Christ, you go disciple them. 
You know what that's going to take? That's going to take you to have a relationship with God so that you know what to say to them and help them along the way. Most of us don't like discipleship because we're not comfortable in our relationship with God to disciple somebody else. We're still babes in and of ourselves, so how are we supposed to help others? That's why it's so important to walk with God and to know the Scriptures and to study God's Word. Why? That we can help others along the way and bring them to where. And Paul taught them. The gospel was there, man. People got saved, and he began to teach them along the way. He was just stoned. Now, remember, he was stoned where? Outside of Lystra, right? He had preached, and people got saved. There was people, babes in Christ, still in Lystra and still in Iconium where they were before, and even in Antioch of Pisidia before that where they had traveled all those places, and people had heard the gospel and gotten saved, and Paul was gone now, and he, he's now in Derby because he was left stone. but while he was in Derby, he said, hey, while I'm here, there's other opportunity, and he sees people saved, begins to teach them, but then look what he does. He taught many, and then they returned again to Lystra. Hold on. Time out. These people just drug him outside the city and left him for dead. These people just threw rocks at him. Anybody ever been hit with a rock before? I have. My cousin Jason and I used to play with rocks when I was younger. And I remember we had a cabin up near Delray, Augusta, West Virginia area. And I was hiding behind a tree and Jason's throwing rocks at the tree. And I stuck my head around to see it and it ricocheted off the tree and hit me in the head. And it didn't feel good. It was not a big rock. It was just a little rock. It bounced off the tree, hit me in the head. But I felt it. It left a little knot on my head. I was like, ow. Could you imagine being stoned to death? I mean, where people thought you were dead. And then he gets up. And he goes back in, rests for a little while, goes to Barnabas and says, let's go to Derby. He leaves in Derby. They get there. They preach the gospel. They begin to teach other people. Then he says, hey, guess what? We got disciples going here. Let's go back to Lystra. I got left. I was made to leave too soon. There's still uh, people there that need discipled. We'd say, Paul, do you not remember what they just did to you? Do you not remember what, what was just taking place when you were in Lystra? They just stoned you and drug you out of the city, left you for dead, and you want to go back there? See, Paul understood what was important. He understood what God's pattern for ministry was all about. Once people get saved, they're to be taught and grow in Christ. And Paul said, listen, if I don't go back there and I don't teach them about the things of God, they're going to rely on a religion They're just going to rely on this ritualistic way of doing things, what they've always heard, the way the Jews have always done things. They haven't done it right, the way God intends for it to be. And I need to teach them what's right and teach them how to do things that are right. He understood those people that he wanted to Christ. It was very important that he reached them and made disciples out of them. Paul understood what that was all about. He understood what the discipleship was, that purpose. That's the intended purpose purpose of of god is for us to disciple others that's why he says in matthew 28 19 and 20 to go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost teaching them to observe some of the things i have commanded no teaching them to observe all things whatsoever i have commanded thee and lo i'm with you always you know what he said is don't just stop with salvation teach them what it really means to be a christian 
Teach them what it really means to live holy and righteous and godly in this present world. Teach them what it really means to stand there for having your loins girt about with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, all those things. Teach them what all that's about. Teach them what it means to give and it shall be given. Teach them what it means to praise and worship God. Teach them what it means to be a, a Bible believer. Teach them what it means to study Scripture. Teach them what it means to know God in a personal way. That's discipleship. Listen, we ought not to be content with just seeing people trust Christ as their Savior, even though their eternal destination is settled at that moment. But the fact of the matter is they're babes in Christ and they need to learn to grow in Christ. But that ought to challenge us, church, to grow in Christ. Because if we don't grow in Christ, we can't teach others to grow in Christ. We need to grow in Him. We need to grow in him. There were some things he wanted to do. Exhortation was a big part of it. Exhortation is a big part of it. Let's look at the Bible here, verse 21 and 22. And when they had preached the gospel to the city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. See, now they're backtracking. The places that they had just gone. And look what it says. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. You know what he said those disciples needed? They needed exhortation. They needed encouraged. I wonder how many of them, Brother Aaron, might have seen Paul get stoned. I wonder how many of them might have seen. They, they just got saved. They just heard the gospel. They just trusted Christ. Now they saw what, what standing up for God could happen. They just saw what, what may, taking a stand for the Lord and preaching that gospel, what could happen to them. And Paul's like, they need some exhortation. They need some encouragement. And you know what? I, I, I don't know how he still looked. I don't know the amount of time that it took for him to get back here to Lystra. But when he walked on the scene, those people that he had given the gospel to, that had seen him stoned, now they see him back, and he's encouraging them, saying, keep going for God. Can you imagine the testimony that that was? The example that he was setting to them. He was exhorting them, but not only do disciples need exhortation, they need examples that are teaching them truth. And so here he's coming back to exhort them, but in his exhortation, he is setting an example of what it means to be steadfast and unmovable. What it means to not worry about what happens to us, and that it's all about him. He was teaching them what that means. See, back previously what happened, remember when the man gets up and walks, they thought it was a spirit, and they began to start to worship Barnabas and, and Paul, and you know what they said? No, 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 we're just people like you. We're not gods. In fact, those little gods, they're not one that you ought to be worshiping anyway. It's the God, but it's not us. And they begin to point them to God. And now, hear what an example it is that they're coming back in here and they begin to talk about truth and teaching them and exhorting them and all these things and teaching them how to have faith in God. It said, it said that in that verse. And exhorting them to continue in the faith. To continue in the faith. You know what part of my job as a pastor is to encourage you just to keep in the faith? Just to keep going. 
Guess what? There's going to come times that life picks you up and slams you against the ground and you don't know which direction to turn. You have no more wind, it seems like, in your sail. But you need to keep going. Keep pressing on. Keep doing what's right. Exhorting them. Being an example of truth and faith. Taught them about their fellowship. They need to have fellowship with God. He said in confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. He said, listen, as I go into heaven, you saw me stoned. You saw me left out there for dead. I'm going to suffer much tribulation, but it's all for his cause. Keep going on for God. That's why at the end of his life when he's talking to Timothy, remember, and he writes, he says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Paul was an example of what it was to live by faith. Paul was an example of what it meant to live a life of faith in God. And he was setting that example for those that he led to Christ. He didn't say, hey, oh, you got saved? Okay, see you later. Now I'm gone. No, now he's backtracking, making sure that those new converts are taken care of. He's making sure that there's somebody going to be discipling them. It says, and they went into the the cities and they ordained elders and people said, listen, you need to take care of these people. These people that have been saved, guess what? They need a church to worship in. They need some people to get around that are going to help lift them up and encourage them in Christ. They need some people that are going to be around teaching them to observe all things whatsoever God hath commanded us. I'm going to be leaving, but they need somebody here that's going to help encourage them. And he talked about discipleship. You know, the fact is, Paul was left for dead, but he wasn't done. You know why? Because God wasn't done with him. I have a quote in my Bible that says, I am immortal until God's will for my life is accomplished. I, I read that quote one time in a book. It said, I am immortal until God's will for my life is accomplished. What's that mean? Is if God's not done with me, then we're not done. If God's not done with you, then you're not done. My pastor in Michigan used to say, if you're not dead, God's not done. Keep going forward. Keep doing what God wants you to do. And when Paul came back to Lystra, that's what the example he was setting to the, in Lystra and Iconium. Remember in Iconium, they, they ran him out of the city too. He thought he was going to die, be stoned there. Then he goes to Lystra. They really did stone him and take him outside. But he goes back to these places and he goes back to Antioch and Pisidia. Why? Because there was babes in Christ that needed discipled. You understand God's pattern for ministry is very simple. It's lead people to Christ. Exhort them. Give them an example. Teach them how to know God. Because if they know God, they're going to create other disciples. If they can be, be, be mature Christians and walk with Christ themselves and have a relationship with Christ, then guess what? They are going to be able to lead other people to Christ and see them grow. That's God's plan. That's what God wants us to do. So let me ask you this. How are you doing at God's plan? How are you doing at God's plan? How are, you being, are you being a soul winner? Are you being a witness for him? If you are winning people to Christ, are you following up with them? Are you getting them in church? You know what? Don't make the excuse, well, they didn't have a way. Go make a way for them to get here. We got a bus. Let us know. We'll get them to church. You go get them. Say, hey, I'll pick you up. Well, preacher, you don't understand. We're, we, we're running later. Preacher, you don't understand. It's the, go back and get them. It's okay. 
bring them to church. Make sure they get here. Why? They get under the preaching of the word. They get around exhortation. They get around examples. They get around people to help them along the way. That's what God's plan is. It's not, well, they got saved. Let's just leave them there and be done with them. Listen, if you're traveling somewhere, you lead somebody to Christ, get their information. Call a church in that area and find somebody to go follow up with them. Make sure they're taken care of. Why? Because they're babes in Christ. If you don't get them, Satan will. You don't go after them, Satan will. I have another quote in my Bible, brother guy, that says, if God's army won't answer, Satan's will. And I was reading through that. I like to read some of those quotes sometimes, how powerful they are, because guess what? Satan doesn't want people to serve God. Satan wants to get people down and out. Why? Because then if he can get people down and out, then God's not getting glory. God's not getting honor. God's not being exalted. People aren't being reached with the gospel. He wants to try to sidetrack them and get them off course. My prayer for Faith Baptist Church this year is that we see many souls saved. But we see some people that learn to know God. We see some people that learn to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? Because they're getting examples of people that hunger and thirst after righteousness. I wonder if our generation to follow. Church, let's just think about this. The generation to follow. If they acted just like you act. Where would our city be for God? If they acted just like you act spiritually, where would our city be for God? Would they be progressing forward, getting to know God, or would they still be blinded? It's sobering to think about, isn't it? Sobering to think about if my testimony determined What happened to the next generation? What kind of example are they getting? What kind of example are we setting? Oh, church is just for Sunday. Church is just for Wednesday. This Christianity stuff, it's just for when you're around brothers and sisters in Christ. No. The example they need to see is that it's every day, 24-7, 365 days a year, That God is everything to us. And if we'll live like God is everything to us, we might just see a generation of young people that learn to love God because they see it in the examples around them. Paul cared enough to go back, even where his life could have been threatened again, to make sure that those disciples knew how to know God. The pattern for ministry is very simple. Listen, you may say, well, preacher, you don't understand. I'm getting old or I can't do. If you're not dead, God's not done. Let's just keep God's plan doing what God's plan does. Seeing people saved. Seeing them grow in Christ. You know what? We ought to see people in here that don't look like we look. That don't act like we act. Don't dress like we dress. You know why? Because they're babes in Christ. Or they're not saved and they need to get saved. And if they do get saved, they're babes in Christ. They need to be taught. And let the Holy Spirit just show them what they need to do. We live by example and exhort them and teach them and grow them and point them to God. And guess what? They're going to see it. You know, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know why we live holy, righteously, and godly? It's to bring glory and honor to God, but it's to show other people what God can do through us. To show God's power and God's strength.
And in the area of faith, I wonder, do you have enough faith that others can see it? Just like that impotent man. That impotent man had so much faith that Paul perceived that he had faith. He said he has faith to be healed. He told him, get up and walk. You know what God's telling us? Some of us have been sitting down too long, not doing things for God. And you know what he's saying? Get up and walk. And we're either going to make excuses for why we can't, or we're just going to let God give us the strength and we're going to get up and walk and do what God tells us to do. With our heads bowed.